I speak to you in the name of the risen Lord who calls us each to follow him. Amen. Please be seated. So a wise teacher and friend told me this story, so it has to be true. It's a story about a small Navy vessel approaching a deserted island, a very tiny island. It's clear that maybe there are no inhabitants, and then they see a guy waving and just picture Tom Hanks in Castaway, okay? And they get on the shore and they greet the guy and there's great celebration and great relief and it's all so exciting and so amazing and uh, they wonder how this guy has survived on this island this whole time and as they're getting ready to put him in the boat and take him back home, uh, they notice that there are three structures built on the island, um, sort of crudely made. And they said, well, tell us about those, right? And he said, yeah, I made those. And he said, well, what are those three houses? What are those three huts? And he said, well, this one over here, this is the house I live in and where I do my cooking and all that stuff. This one here, this is my church. This is where I go to church. And they say, well, well, tell us about the third church, third hut. He said, oh, that's my old church <laughs> where, I, where I used to go before I got mad and left. <laughs> this is a week. We find ourselves smack dab in the middle of the week called a week of prayer for Christian unity. And if anything, it's a growth opportunity as we think about how we live together and think not only in the church, but in all areas of our life, as we recognize the divisions that exist among us. The, day, the week started last Wednesday is bracketed by two feasts of two saints with stories in their lives. Last Wednesday, it was the feast of St. Peter and his confession, which is the day, uh, the time, the moment when he recognized that Jesus was the Messiah and Jesus said, I'll build the church on you, right? So that's the start. This coming Wednesday is the feast of the conversion of St. Paul that day when he was, uh, his life was turned around on that road to Damascus. And they comprehend, they parenthesize, if that's a word, they, they hold this week together. And I think what is so intriguing as we think about the call to Christian unity is that I don't think Peter and Paul liked each other that much. We can read in the, God, in the New Testament that they had some run-ins. They're explicitly set forward. There's some shade that they throw to each other throughout the texts. And we can see that they were very different uh, personalities, very different visions. And um, yet without both of them, I doubt that we would be meeting in St. James Church on the Upper East Side because they were simply pivotal characters who helped spread the good news of Jesus beyond uh, just the borders of a very narrow and small area. That call, that question about Christian unity, which clearly these, these two giants of the church had to spend a lot of time working on, that call to unity is nothing new. We read about the call to disciples. It's sort of the theme for the day. If you haven't noticed, it's the call that comes to those group, uh, ancient Near Eastern Keystone Cops, 
who are always getting in scuffles with each other. And we read in the Gospels, they spent way too much time arguing about which one of them was the greatest, which one of them was going to get the corner office, right? And then we turn to the New Testament. We heard this morning, awesome reading, Kevin. Thank you for that. That was just stunning. Uh, beautiful reading with uh, the membership role in the Corinthian church. Um, just a, a story of the church in, that's one of the earliest documents of the church. And it tells us from that moment on, this church was fighting about which leader to follow. Should you follow Paul? Should you follow Cephas, which is another name for Peter? Are you supposed to follow Apollos? Are you supposed to follow Christ? What's the deal? And if you read all of those letters, you see that that very early church was um, button heads about stuff that we still butt our heads about. They were fighting about leadership. Who should we follow? They were fighting about rules like, what are we allowed to eat or what are we not allowed to eat? They were fighting about sex. Can you imagine such a thing? They were fighting about money, about how we, who we give money to. All of these things, and they're working this out, and that is why it's so important. I know you all know that 1 Corinthians 13 reading, which comes up as weddings. That is a reading about the life of the community of the church and how we can find a way to live together. And I think it applies not only to church, it applies to all uh, you know, areas of our life. And uh, newsflash, that early division in the community of faith persists to this day. And I don't have to tell you all the different ways that the church today might be considered to be divided and uh, within parishes, within dioceses, within denominations, within all of Christendom, the whole Catholic church um, in, the, in the sense of the wider church uh, finds ways to be divided. Um, part of my work when I'm not here is to go around and talk to Episcopalians about, um, about their spiritual lives, right? And I remember I went and talked with one woman. I just said, you know, how do you think about your own life in the church? And she said, well, I prefer to self-identify as Episcopalian rather than Christian. And I thought, okay, let me parse that a little bit. Um, and it may have been some Anglican snobbishness there. That's entirely possible. <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> um, it also may have been what we read, what we learn when we ask people in the wider culture what their impressions of Christians are. And the words association that come up are not always pretty, so we hear judgmental and hypocritical and tied to some particular political agenda which I don't which you know they don't agree with. That's where we are in the church in many respects. And it contributes to this division and disunity that is uh, antithetical to what Jesus taught. So what did Jesus teach? The night before he died, he had dinner with his disciples. And he said to them, by this, all people will know that you are my followers if you what? If you love one another. The early church, as we read the records in the New Testament, several places it says, the early church grew exponentially 
uh, because people outside the church looked at people inside the church and said, see how they love one another. And wouldn't it be a dream if that's what people saw in the church these days? And we see it in places and we give thanks to God for that as a way of giving glory to God. But we also recognize, as I started out saying, this is a growth opportunity. There's room to grow. So what do we do with that? How do we move forward in that? Three things come to mind. The first, this is true in, fam in churches, but it's also true in families and in workplaces and in civic life, um, recognize our parts in wherever division surfaces, in whether, wherever misunderstanding and resentment and hatred surfaces, to remember that we, do, we take part in that. We say so every time we say the confession. We have not loved God with whole heart. We have not loved neighbor as self. But then what do we do? On the basis of that, we come together and exchange the peace, which we'll do in just a moment. So the first thing is just being honest about the fact that we participate in the divisions that exist in our church and in the world. Second thing, as this week says, it wouldn't be a week of prayer for Christian unity unless we needed help, unless we needed God's help to figure out how to come to that place of unity. And that's true, again, not only in our church, but also in all areas of life, in our family, in our relationships, in our friendships, in our schools, in our workplaces. How do we ask for that help and find uh, grace in time of need uh, to move forward in that way, to recognize on our own, <laughs> on our own, we're probably powerless to change that and to make that happen. But it is, as we say in the prayer today, it's God's grace that gives us the way to answer that call and to live into the fullness of what God asked us to do and be in life together. And then the third thing I would say, First, ask for help. First, recognize your need. Second, ask for help. Third thing, uh, keep your eyes on the prize. By which I mean, follow Jesus. Uh, we read this beautiful passage. It's rich. There's a lot in the gospel passage. Jesus walks along the sea coast. He sees um, fishermen. He says to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And what do they do? They do it. They drop their nets, and there are several other stories in the Gospels of similar disciple reaction. They just get up and do it, and I love that phrase. I think about it a lot. I'm not sure entirely what it means, but he says, I will make you fish for people. I will take who you are. I will take your gifts. I will take your deficits, just like Peter and Paul. I will put them to work for the sake of sharing with others the good news of God's grace. And we all have that opportunity. So hear Jesus say to you, uh, follow me and I will make you fish for people. I will take your gifts and experiences and aptitudes and use them for the kingdom. I won't transform you. I, will, I won't uh, negate you. I will fulfill you and take you to a new place. So uh, particularly, I think, in this year of transition, when there is uncertainty about what lies ahead, 
the key for our unity, the key for us moving forward as the body of Christ, an image of unity, is to do that, to keep our eyes on a prize, to figure out, and this will probably be different for each one of us, what it does mean to follow Jesus. What does that look like in your life? How do you take steps this week to do that in some new and deeper way? I'm so grateful to this parish and particularly to your rector, who I've known for a long time, because I sense, and it's part of why I love coming and serving here, I sense that this is about Jesus. This is about following Jesus. And uh, clergy and other people may help facilitate that, but that's really the thing that will keep us in unity. And so, uh, as you think about your own call, and particularly the call that comes from Jesus to live in unity with each other, recognize your own part in disunity wherever that occurs. Ask for help and follow Jesus. So since it's the week of prayer for Christian unity, I thought we might pray. So there are prayer books in front of you. We open them sometimes, not often. Um, but they're this thing, if in case you haven't noticed. Uh, 816, please. Page 816. You can remain seated for this, but I thought we might read the prayer for the church. And you can read it with me, or you can just take it in silently. It says, as it says, it prays for the Holy Catholic Church. That's just indicating the church around the world, the global church. So let us pray. Gracious Father, we pray for thy holy Catholic Church, fill it with all truth, in all truth, with all peace. Where it is corrupt, purify it. Where it is an error, correct it. Where in anything it is amiss, reform it. Where it is right, strengthen it. Where it is in want, provide for it. Where it is divided, reunite it. For the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Savior. Amen.